The Inside Story of the World's Greatest Manhunt. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is Patriot's Day. Welcome to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we have for you Patriot's Day, the 20... 16 film about the Boston Marathon bombing. Right. So this movie, I remember, was the original Too Soon movie. Really? Yeah. Do you remember this? I do not. Only a couple months in my memory since the bombing, they announced that they were making the movie. Really? And then that it came I out did not remember. Three years after the event itself. Yeah. That's okay. ridiculously soon. What's the gap between. Well, okay. This is going to go back. Mm hmm. The events and breach. Oh, that's five years because that happened in like two thousand two. All right. Sure. Well, and breach is not a national tragedy. True. Like, I'd true. be curious when the first nine eleven movie, like mainstream nine eleven movie, was. I don't. There think There was, was the United. You know, there was the like a United uh, flight. Yeah, the, which, yeah, there was flight ninety three. Yeah, I would call that mainstream. Yeah. When did it come out though? Let's see. Ooh, it came out in two thousand six. Oh. Right, so it was five a little years. soon. But then, of course, here's a little trivia for you, Christian. The sure. original Too Soon movie was they made a Titanic movie like <laughs> the same year that the Titanic sank. Wow. With survivors of the Titanic as actors. Oh, hold on. Yeah, okay. Let's see. Actually, let me call that because there's also Back to Bataan, which is a World War II movie about the Bataan Death March, which had actual people who participate in, in the Bataan Death March in mm. it. That came out in 1945. The actual, oh, 41 to 42 was the actual battle. Three years. Mm. So, so I guess not, this not, not in the same year, but still. <laughs> yeah, this isn't the soonest movie, but certainly in our modern age, in my memory, the original Too Soon movie. Interesting. That Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I did... I didn't clock it. I mean, I knew that it came out in 2016 and the actual event happened in 2013, but I didn't clock that. Oh, that's very close. So they must have been in production probably at least the year before. So that's 2015. That's two years later. I don't know. (laughs) A couple things. How well do you remember the Boston bombing? That is an interesting question. So I remember that it happened. I remember Mm -hmm. that there was a manhunt, but I do not remember the results of it. I know that they found the people responsible but i did not remember who they were nor what their motivations were which in a way i think is good because you know we're sort of remembering the people the victims as opposed to glorifying the people that you know carried it out except i do not looking back i do have a recollection of the uh, the rolling stone stone cover yes i also thought of that and i'm surprised it wasn't in the movie but it also well, makes sense. I mean, because, you know, the movie ends at a certain point, and we'll get to it there, but that happens after, really. After, so the, the storyline of our movie ha- ends. Mm-hmm. Sure. And they wouldn't want to bring that up again, because I remember it was such a controversy putting him on there. It's practically a whole movie in and of itself. Yeah. Right. I mean, even think about, so this was, what, 11 years? I mean, if we had planned this out better, we maybe put it, pushed it back to April on actual Patriot's Day. But, you know, we're... We don't plan about in advance. That. But come on, we did like, the seventy ninth anniversary of D Day. We never do anything when we're supposed to do it. Uh, good, good point. We at least had our our Pearl Harbor rela- uh, two Pearl Harbor episodes released right around Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, that was the one time we didn't totally screw it up. But it wasn't on any anniversary, if I remember. Mm. Oh well, that's okay. I was here already, so I, yeah. Which and I do have some family who's in that Boston area, and I know they all have their own sort of stories. About, but no one was in Boston proper, if I recall. Yeah, that's right. It was pretty wild. Yeah. And before we get to the movie, I just want to dispute the tagline. This clearly is not the world's greatest manhunt. Obviously, the search for Osama bin Laden. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, this might have been America's biggest manhunt. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could the, make the greatest domestic, you know, American domestic manhunt. <laughs> sure. What about the Unabomber? I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of them. But, wow, a movie tagline that exaggerates? Who would have imagined such a thing? Anyway. Well, have you seen this movie before? No, I have I had not. 
Yeah, I mean, when it came out, I was like, it's too soon. Mm-hmm. And I never had much interest in seeing it. Yeah. But I also knew it was pretty well regarded. Interesting. Okay, so I definitely confused this for another film at first, because there's a movie that came out, I think, around the same time. Let me double check it. Oh, no, it came out earlier, called Vantage Point, which is about... and which is about an assassination of a U.S. president, but it's, like, told from all these multiple viewpoints. And I confused, Mm. mixed up these two in my head. There's, like, did they do, like, a multiple viewpoint on... And they kind of did, but not really here. Actually, they they focus on a few different viewpoints, but not as much as, like, Vantage Point is kind of like a Rashomon-style, you know, telling us the same thing. But I think that would be another (laughs) interesting movie to cover for a podcast, but later... Yeah, so it turns out neither of us saw this movie. One of us thought they might have, but not so no, much. No, I never saw Vantage Point either, but I just oh, knew really? that that was... Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah so here, here's the poetry synopsis. I must say, after watching it, I wasn't in a very poetic mood. Fair, fair. But then inspiration struck later. So here's oh, the haiku. Okay. Well, I guess you, you can yeah, decide how much you like the results. So here's the haiku. Marathon attack. Manhunt for bomber brothers. Hmm. You can't stop them all. Hmm. All right. All right. It's pretty good, actually. I I feel that kind of covers the movie. Yeah. And then here's the limerick. Boston went from hooray to foul play when two murderers did have their say. A lockdown did ensue by the heroes in blue, and it went down on Patriot's Day. Okay. You know what? I mean, I was like, for such a somber movie and, and, you know, real life event, how are you going to make a limerick? (laughs) But you did it. You did a good job. Thank you. I, I have some talent. It, made it respectful, but also still rhyming. But, you know, good job. All right, let's get our actual IMDb plot synopses. Yep. The story of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing and the aftermath, which includes the citywide manhunt to find the terrorists responsible. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the point, succinct. That's so right. we start off and we meet uh, Boston PD Sergeant Tommy Saunders, who's on a raid of the sorts. He's looking for a guy. I definitely thought this was going to be like some sort of bait and switch and he was not actually like looking for a criminal. He was like looking for his daughter or something like who was out <laughs> drinking or something. I was like, I didn't know the tone of this film and considering it's Mark Wahlberg and I've seen him in comedic stuff. In my mind, the first thing that comes up is him in like that Transformers movie, which I never actually saw, but I think we got a Transformer. <laughs> That's in my mind, Mark Wahlberg. To me, it's, it's The Departed, which is probably his greatest ah. role, where he is the comic I have relief. not seen. And, oh, see, really? No, okay, well, you know, don't spoil it for me. I need to see it. I I was on a, you know, a binge of uh, Scorsese mob movies. It's on the list. Mm. Uh, but yeah, but yes. so this beginning is like the one funny part of the whole movie, pretty mm-hmm. much, except for an, a rod line here and there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so with that tone, I was like, is this a bait and switch? Is this going to be? But no, he's actually looking for a guy who's like, I don't know what the deal with this is. He he got hit over the head with a smoothie. We find out when he means smoothie, he means like an iron. Yeah, the guy's like an idiot or something. <laughs> and everyone's got those Boston accents, which is great. Yeah. Oh, the accents. <laughs> but we find what we find out about Tommy is that basically he's having to pull all these terrible shifts and dude, punishment duties Due to some incident in his past, he kicked someone, and... So he's having to pull terrible shifts and sort of, like, punishment duties due to this incident in his past. Uh, The commissioner even comes by while they're doing this raid, and Tommy tries to convince him to let Tommy out of duties at the Boston Marathon the next morning. He is denied, but he's told that after he does that, he's out of the doghouse. So I liked this. It is similar to the cop last day before retirement, but it's a good explanation for why he's at the marathon, even though he's yep. a detective and will be involved in the manhunt later. So it all checks out. I like that. Is he a detective or is he still a sergeant? Was he a detective before? Oh, that's a good question. No, I think he is a sergeant. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Anyways, we also meet Tommy's wife, Carol, played by Michelle Monaghan, with a terrible Boston accent. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people's accents go in and out in this movie. And she's played by Michelle Monaghan, wife of the heroes. Yeah, but I guess because I'm more familiar with her work that I really noticed it. Mm -hmm. So we also meet a bunch of other characters here, including this couple, Patrick and Jessica. 
Jessica's played by our future Lois Slade, Rachel Brosnahan. Very nice. We also have a father and son, Steve and Leo. We meet some MIT students, including Lee, played by Lana Condor, who's been in a bunch of stuff, as well as her love interest, who's you know, MIT um, officer Sean Collier. Or he's not an officer at MIT. Well, he's a police officer who's stationed at MIT. This is interesting. He does yeah. the move where you don't invite the girl out. You invite her and all her friends it's, out. Yeah. It's so, like, high school. <laughs> well, it's pretty funny. school, you know. I mean, they're not that far removed from high school, yeah, so no, it makes no. sense. And then we also meet Don Meng, who's a Chinese immigrant who's played by Jimmy O. Yang. This is very different for him, for me, because... He's a stand. I know him as a stand-up comic. I've seen his him in you know movies, uh, particularly mm. one Love Hard Christmas movie. Great on Netflix. Recommend. What? That's your go-to for Jimmy Yang's movies? Not Crazy Rich Asians. I forgot he was in Crazy Rich Asians actually. Or Silicon Valley, which I know is not a movie. I've never actually seen Silicon Valley, um, but I've okay. seen Love Hard more recently. The <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians I haven't seen since it came out. What? I feel like it's almost ten years now. Yeah, probably the same time as this movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I've saw, I've seen Love actually the last two Christmases. I've seen it twice, so yes. Yeah, so recommend fun, but yeah, it's a very serious role for him. So it's very different, and uh, but he's good in it. Mm-hmm. But then we're also introduced to the Sarnev brothers, Tamerlan and Jokar, also called Jahar. Nice job taking on those names. Those are tough yeah. names. Yeah. I just call also, them like big bro and little bro. And or white hat or black hat. Yeah, that too. Oh, I do that later. But And then we also meet Tamerlan's wife, Catherine, played by Minissa Benoist, or however yeah, you pronounce right. her last name. TV's Supergirl. Benoist, yeah. yeah. Who, it took me a while to recognize her without her hair. I saw the trailer and I was like, it looks real familiar. <laughs> and then I looked at the cast and said, oh, it's Supergirl. That's weird. That's right. Mm-hmm. But... There's a lot of good character stuff here. We meet a lot of people very quickly. Yep, and you know they're going to come together, but how? Yep, Keeps you intrigued. Yep. So we next day we start at the Boston Marathon. Tommy is out there being, you know, crossing guard, basically. <laughs> so actually, before that, we meet one more character, which is usually oh? is played by J.K. Simmons. I and... bring him up later, but I wasn't sure how. I forgot that uh. he was in that part, too. Yeah. Well, the only thing I want to point out is that when we first meet him, he goes to a Dunkin' Donuts to get his wife uh, so breakfast. Boston. <laughs> well, it is Boston, but it also feels like a product placement. Because it's just Dunkin' Donuts stuff everywhere. That is how a Dunkin' Donuts is. The best product placements are where it works within the context of the story. And it totally and it works sense. here, because of course you're going to be at a Dunkin' if you're in Boston. <laughs> yep. We start the marathon. Tommy at, calls his wife to ask for his stronger brace for his bad knee that he... You know, overextended while kicking some guy in the teeth. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so we see Patrick and Jessica, as well as Steve and his son Leo at the finish line. We get to see the first runner cross the finish line. I forgot what his name. I was going to look up what it was, but... Ethiopian runners, I think they said. I believe right? so, yes, yes. Yeah, there's also a part where they have remembrance for the Newtown. Or no, I not was, Newtown, yeah. Newtown. The Newton School shooting. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming that actually happened. Well, not, not uh, obviously the ha- shooting happened, but I assume that the remembrance happened in real life. And they're, at least for this part, they're trying to skew as far as close as possible to real life events. Sure. It's just an interesting choice to put in the movie. I wonder if mm-hmm. it's like, this is America, you're never too far from a tragedy, no matter where you are. You know, we'll talk about that more when we get to speech later. But yes, I think so. I think it, it is definitely yeah. intentional. The thing with these based on a true stories movies is they're not always necessarily having the same message as fictional ones because mm-hmm. real life doesn't always have a message. Sometimes real life yeah. just is what it is. Yep. And this in this case, more than most. We also see the Sarnev brothers with backpacks mm-hmm. and we see them leave them at certain parts. And then we get the moment that, you know, we're all... Right. So so not for the first time in this movie, it was like a horror movie. Yeah. Where you're yeah. just waiting for the killer to pop out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Especially when you see all the normal people looking totally exactly. that, normal. Yeah, that's what I was about to point. Especially the ones who were introduced to. I mean, the one with like Steve and his son Leo. That's the one that was like getting me like, 
Oh god, he is right next to them. I was, do not tell me the kid is gonna die in this. Well, I mean, did you remember that a kid was killed in the Boston Marathon I did bombing? Not. Oh, I remembered that, but I also knew that the kid was nine. So I was like, the Four. kid's too old to die, fortunately. Okay. Or too okay. young, rather, excuse me. Yeah, I did not remember that. So, you know, <clears> that <throat> one was like, oh, I was just dreading and anticipating. And the thing about this, like, one, did they use real shots from the actual thing here? Yes. Okay. Like, all the security footage feels like it's real, like, or at least most of it mm. feels like it's real footage. Yeah, it is. Okay, I wasn't sure. I didn't look it up. But I was like, this. a lot of this feels real. But also, like, the, the you know, the parts where you see Mark Wahlberg, you know, obviously not you know, real footage, but the explosions feel like real explosions, not your Hollywood-style fireball explosions. They feel like, feel very real. Everything here is really chilling and it's really effective. Yeah, I was going to say that too. I thought it was really effective. Like, to just give you that terror that feel which you know accurate sure was i prepared for it not really so <laughs> it it got yeah. Me. Mm, yeah it got me too my girlfriend and i were watching it together and this movie kind of upset her a little bit and uh, fair enough so it was very... you know, fair enough yeah. yeah there's well done shots here where like the camera falls down as if it is a person who's caught in the blast and I know right. that that is just an effect that they're doing. They're just having the camera, but it still grips you like that. It's it's very mm. well done. It also topples over on some blood. Mm, that's right. right. There was, yeah, yeah. Only a little bit, but still. Mm -hmm. I, I should say the movie also kind of upset me too, but that's more later. Uh, and this part was the most upsetting for me. Like the family is trying to find each other. And like, thankfully, to Tommy finds his wife, Carol. And she's okay, mm. you know, he has another officer bring her home. And at this point, like, Tommy is starting to take charge. He's getting medical personnel down to the finish line. We get some ambulances that are starting to get cleared through. We see that, you know, some of the, the couple that we met earlier, Jessica and Patrick, they're separated as they're mm. being picked up. Steve separated from his son, Leo. That was, like, terrifying to me. It was just like, mm. what if the kid has no identification on him? How do you, how are you going to find that kid later? Yeah, it's going to be a while before that, they that find was each other terrifying at best. to me. Yeah, mm. uh, someone's bringing over a wheelchair for some of the wounded, and they get run into by the runners. There are still runners who have no idea what's happening here, and they're coming through. Mm. Yeah, I, I should say, in a little levity, Mark Wahlberg's accent does kind of come back and forth in this part, which is funny because that's his real accent, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but he's also been an actor for a long time, so he's yeah, probably true. learned. So, yeah. And I also suspected, mentioned this to my girlfriend too, that I think the reason why the death count was so low was because mm. they had medical like right there, ready mm. to treat true, people. True. If this were like in the middle of nowhere, it would be a different story, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So as everyone is cleared out, the FBI arrives with Commissioner Davis, who is played by John Goodman. I don't think I mentioned that before. Yes. <laughs> and he arrives with special agent in, in charge, Richard Delaurier, who is played by Kevin Bacon. Yep, immediately recognizable Kevin Bacon, but he did a good job here. Oh, yeah, he did a good job. Now, there's a sticking point of that. There's still a body, the aforementioned child who died. His body is still right there. It was right, He was right next to one of the bombs, and it's still on the street. Thankfully, it's at least covered, but... You know, Tommy is, like, wanting to move the body. Immediately, uh, uh, Agent Delaria is like, no, we can't touch him because until forensics get to him, we might, there might be things on residue on the body or in his clothes that we can't move. This is a very interesting conflict, and I quite mm -hmm. liked it. You also had, which is such a cliche in cop movies, of uh -huh. FBI, we're taking over this investigation. Uh-uh, you FBI don't know anything. Us small town cops do. <laughs> It's the yes. kind of the reverse of that. Oh, yeah? Because, so we have Commissioner Davis, like, asking uh, Delorier, saying, you know, we need to decide who takes charge. And mm. Delorier is hesitant. Because right. he says, like, basically, once we label it terrorism, there's no going back. And, and yeah. it's not jockey necessarily. It is jockeying, but it's like, we don't want to make the call if it's wrong. 
Yeah, he says it's like, if it's terrorism, it means media, it means the president, it mm-hmm. means all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. later, he's looking at something, he says, it's terrorism, we'll take it. Well, you, did you did you figure out what he what he picked up? Yeah, it was a screw, mm. right? No? Ball bearings. Oh, a ball bearing, yeah, that's right. Which, you know, if you see those, an explosion, that is a homemade explosive. So that, so, yeah. I guess it doesn't really... Does it prove it's terrorism or just a got a nut job with a grievance? It's, I guess it's terrorism. I mean, okay, way. that that would still it may not be yeah. you know religious motivated terrorism, but it's terrorism. Like yeah. So yeah, either way, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also did you notice the guy in the lobster costume? Do you have that I note? did. So we were confused about that because there's a part where he's like, "Get this guy out of here before the bombs go yes. off." So I think he, he like was just prankster? being annoying. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the rules are for the Boston Marathon. Maybe you're not supposed to have costumes while you're running the Boston Marathon. I think your theory is is correct. I think you are allowed to wear costumes, but the guy was like where he wasn't supposed to be for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Some more nice levity in a movie that has very little. <laughs> so, Deloria makes the call. It's terrorism, and so. I like actually I like to hear I mean there was a bit of jockeying but not too much at least not at the higher up levels so Commissioner Davis asked all right what do you need I need a really big command center so they set one up in a warehouse I like this as they're recreating the scene with like tape they're bringing over evidence taken from the from the site and you know marking where everything was found and like setting up all right these are where the where the businesses are along this street it, it was i was like oh so this is how you do an actual investigation this is interesting yeah i mean it feels hollywood but it also is I, not totally outside their own yeah. possibility so it was, it was very cool also just a brief talk about commission uh, commissioner davis so i don't know much about police commissioners and my main mm. point of reference for police commissioners is commissioner yes. gordon yeah i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> oh do you have an idea what a police commissioner actually does? Are they a cop who is? Is it like? <laughs> I think they're like they run the police department in the city. Okay. So they're like the equivalent of the CEO, or I guess they're equivalent of like a a general of the army. Okay. So so the portrayal of Commissioner Gordon is like as being the you know the boss of the police department. That is a correct thing. It's not just. Yeah, I would say comics. so. <laughs> I I was not actually sure. <laughs> So something that makes real life stories different from fictional stories is that there's lots and lots and lots of characters. So mm-hmm. reading a, a real life, like a book, for example, about this, yeah. I've encountered this problem with there's so many characters and you can't remember who does what. Yeah. And this movie, fortunately, kept it to a reasonable level. Yeah, it's it's not like your Torah, 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 or you're the longest <laughs> day where you have to have, I mean, they do do this with like, you know, titles for people as they show up. But they only do it for like the head hodgers, like the mayor, the police commissioner, FBI, etc. They don't do it for right. every single person, like in <laughs> the longest day or Torah, Torah, Torah. Yeah, good luck remembering them as well. Uh-huh. Commissioner Davis talks to the press. He addresses false reports that they had a suspect in custody. I don't remember. There was an ethnicity mentioned, but I don't remember what it was. Yeah, they said a Saudi national. Saudi, okay. I was like, is it Sudan? No, it's, I, yeah, okay. But he says that those are completely false, but then he does ask the public to send in any photos or video that they have. And I like this mm-hmm. part where, you know, uh, Deloria is like, oh, he's showing uh, Davis the uploads. And, oh, we've crashed because there were that many uploads. Yeah, a very real-life problem. Yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate. Feels very real. So the FBI analysts have to go through all the photos and videos, videos that were submitted as well as everything from the cam security cameras around the area, plus all the confiscated cell phones. So it's a lot of data that they had to scrub through. So I wonder, and I did not find this in Fact versus Fiction, but I, I, it occurred to me just now, why are the guys at the scene being the ones to comb through everything? Like, isn't that what they have analysts at FBI headquarters for or at the Boston field office? Yes, and uh, I mean, I, I assume some of this may be just for Hollywood, but also I feel like, there's that level of connection that you have. If mm. you're there, you can immediately say, I have something, as opposed to sending an email, waiting for someone to read that email, respond to that email, and they can immediately ask you questions. Yeah, we're trying to find somebody on the phone, play a little telephone yeah. tag. Mm-hmm. So mm. this may be for Hollywood, but that would be my assumption for as to why it would be happening on the site there. 
Yeah, there you go. So Tommy, as this is all going through, speaks up and suggests going to the hospitals, get witness statements. You know, he talks about how, you know, I just work homicide here, but I know that in homicide, you know, what makes cases stick is witness statements. And so we need to go into the hospitals and talk to all of the victims. Of which there are many. Yes, there are many. And uh, Delorier also makes a point that the bomber, because they don't know anything about him at this point, may be at one of the hospitals as well. So they need positive IDs on anyone coming in and out of those hospitals, which is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we go to see the hospitals. We see Jessica and Patrick, who are both uh, injured. They both get end up getting legs amputated. I think Jessica has both of them amputated, whereas Patrick just has the right leg. Yes, that's right. Left leg. Left leg amputated. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy goes to get a witness statement from Steve, the father, um, who is still looking for Leo, his son. Right. And the body is still there, the body of yeah. the child victim. Yeah. That, that was pretty interesting and yeah. informative in the movie. I think someone must have screwed up. You think so? I think someone was supposed to have sent a team much earlier. It shouldn't have taken them uh, hours and hours true, and hours. Yeah, true. It's kind of like yeah. also when, when the runners keep coming through, and I think Mark Wahlberg even says, like, somebody was supposed to have stopped them and someone didn't. Yeah, yeah. So we see an analyst get the first sighting of one of the bombers. It's a guy in a white hat who, when the explosion happens, he looks away from the explosion, whereas everyone looks towards it. This was great. This part was great. I really liked it. And then the guy's yeah. like, oh, sir, yeah. check this out. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon's like, play it again. <laughs> so as they figure out, all right, where exactly the white guy, white hat would have been standing, Delorier grabs Tommy and asks him to walk him through in reverse, which cameras would get a sight of white hat starting from whichever minute going backwards. And so they do this a couple of times. They get footage of, him walking backwards from like he's like all right thinking is it the cvs is it the i don't remember what all the specific businesses are he's like oh wait this one bar i know just installed some cameras in the back those might have it too which was like this is this is a good idea using your local um police yeah it explains why tommy's there and like Mm -hmm. why yeah they have to keep coming up with reasons for him to be there i feel like we've seen other movies like oh um it's like 13 days with kenny they have to keep explaining uh, why Kenny has to be around. Interesting. I've never actually seen 13 Days, so yeah. Oh, wait, yes, no. you have. We covered I'm it. Thinking of, I'm thinking of 13 Hours, not 13 Days. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. good old Kenny. But, yeah, so I, I like this, though. You're using all the people. You're using resources. You might not necessarily have that knowledge of every street there, but your beat cops will. Mm. And so they work backwards and until they finally get a photo of White Hack next to another guy in a black hat with sunglasses. And I do kind of remember this picture. Uh-huh, yeah, the one... the, like some of this started to come back to me too. Mm-hmm. But apparently this image, even though it looks you know, relatively clear, it's too grainy and they can't get facial rec on it. Yeah, well, facial recognition was still early technology. Uh, yeah, 10 years ago, or 11 years ago. So yeah, Tommy finally goes home and there's a bunch of friends and neighbors who potentially family who are there and they're all like demanding answers from Tommy shouts at them all to get out in much more mm-hmm. colorful language. Yeah. Much more Bostonian language, but I don't, to be fair to them, like nobody knows anything and they know True. that he was yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I get both sides, but I also like, he saw things there. Like, so his wife is Carol is consoling him. I guess he's clearly shaken up by what he saw, but he's also very shaken up by the fact that, Carol could have been hurt and that it would have been his fault because he asked her to come down there and she right. wouldn't have been there if not for him asking to bring his brace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Mark Wahlberg's big acting Oscar scene. I don't mean to be <laughs> cynical about it. He did do a good job. And yeah. it goes to show that, I guess, I don't know if we want to talk about this now or if we'll talk about it later. Do you think in like 50 years, people are going to remember the Boston Marathon bombing? Because unfortunately um, or unfortunately depending on your point of view the death count was low it was a yeah. relatively low level terrorist attack considering the fact and i don't that like i don't like that i didn't even remember the names of the bombers mm-hmm. or like i only had a vague recollection i think maybe not i think in 50 years yeah, yeah it'll be a, a footnote 
I know, it's troubling. I read a book recently about the bombing of the Los Angeles Times building by, like, pro-union criminals. Uh, and it uh-huh. took place in 1910. To be fair, it took place in 1910. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. So, you know, before we had 4K Ultra video. But uh-huh. 75 people were killed, and, like, nobody knows about it, right? It's a footnote okay. of history. At Wait, best. you said 75 people? Yes. Even think about, like, the Tulsa Race Massacre. Mm-hmm. Not a, people, a lot of people knew about that, honestly, until it was in the Watchmen TV show. Well, I mean, that's why you have movies like this. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe because there is this movie, more people remember. I hope so. But where I'm going with this scene, though, is like, yeah, only three people were killed, which on the mm-hmm. scale of terrorism is pretty low. But right. over, almost 300 were wounded. And mm-hmm. a wound is bad if you lose a yeah. limb, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. how many more people were just like Tommy? Who were just traumatized or shell shocked? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not not all the you know I, not all the injuries. Are, well, are let, me, let me rephrase my answer to this: mm-hmm. If you're from Boston, you'll remember it in 50 years. Well, that was something else that kind of upset me about the movie. Okay. Is I remember the country moved on pretty fast mm. from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Boston didn't. No. At least I. At least I hope they did. I don't think they did. But the but the rest of us. Yeah. Twenty thirteen. Thinking about back to that time. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, at this point, the years are blending together, and like our generation just lived through so mm-hmm. much. I also think, to be fair, they got the guys like immediately. True. If they hadn't, maybe it would have been a different story. So back at the command center, Commissioner Davis is demanding that Deloria release the photos they have of the bombers. So that they can get, you know, start getting information about who these people might be. But Deloria is resistant. Tommy even mm-hmm. brings up that, you know, this is Boston. In Boston, if you release those photos, we will get, people are going to hell. Another really good dilemma. You could mm-hmm. totally see both sides of the case. Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think, Christian? What would you have done? Oh, oh, that's a great question. If I'm in that position, oof. Oh, no. Assuming but, Fox News doesn't force your hand, like say, what yeah, happened yeah, 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 yeah. Gut instinct, I would have waited. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I think so. Yeah, gun to my head, that's the... Which is a terrible mm. phrase. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would have I waited. So that's interesting. I would have released them. So as yeah, usual, we disagree. I don't know I mean, as hey, But hey, that's <laughs> why we would work well together, is that we could we, we would have that conversation... And hopefully come to some sort of agreement of what to do. And we get forced by Fox News, of course. <laughs> so my logic, though, is yeah. that whatever like psychological benefit the bombers would gain by knowing mm-hmm. the authorities don't know who they are yeah. would be offset by the gain you could get by having people be able to identify them. Which yeah. is exactly okay. what happens yeah. in yeah. the movie and in real life, too. But if you know that they're if they're looking for you specifically, you go to ground, you hide. Yeah, but if they're smart, they're going to ground anyway. But they're not smart. But are they not? Are they smart? We don't know that they're smart. They could be idiots. I mean, yeah. yeah. So I, I said, I said to my girlfriend, like they should be in a truck headed for Canada right now, but they're not. So yeah, well, I think we've basically expressed the viewpoints of both Deloria and Davis here, which was great. <laughs> Um, But yeah, so, as we keep referring to, Fox News forces Deloria's hand and Mm. is, yeah, one of, I think the exact same analyst who found the, uh, you know, the first image of White Hat is the same Mm. guy who's on the phone goes and is told that, yeah, Fox News has the photos and wants everything that the FBI has, or they'll go live, was it like 20 minutes or an hour? No, they said 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes. I was like, I'm saying in an hour, my nose like, I feel like it was 20 minutes with the photos, yeah. with or without any FBI commentary. So now, yeah, now they have to do it. They have a press conference where they show the photos and ask for any information. <laughs> so the Tsarnaev brothers see the newscast, and Jahar is getting texts from one of his doormates who's saying that this photo looks exactly like him. Yeah, these guys were funny. It's like, dude, this guy just looks just like you. <laughs> Other doormates come over, talk to the one roommate, and they're like, dude, you see that? He looks like that. Definitely looked like him. And then <laughs> they sort of move on pretty quickly, and they're just start now. They're looking for weed. 
I don't think these guys were done any favors by their portrayal in the movie. <laughs> so they look in Jahar's backpack, and when they do, they find the fireworks and ball bearings, and which, you know, very suspicious. But they decide, oh, not my problem. We'll put it back in, just pretend we didn't see anything. Yeah, their weed-addled brains were actually able to put together that it is, in fact, bomb shit, as they said themselves. <laughs> but I, I also wonder if they're like, hey, man, we don't need that heat with our weed smoking. We're not going to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So we see the brothers packing up their bomb materials and they're going to try to obtain another gun. So they see the police car on the MIT campus with Officer Sean Collier in it. This was legit like a horror movie. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, they, they shoot him, try to grab his gun, but he keeps resisting. They shoot him multiple times. I, am, I did not count how many times, but it was a lot of times. Yeah, it was probably like five times. Unfortunately... It was a pullback. The camera pulled back when they shot him a bunch of times because uh, it was pretty gruesome. And again, these guys are not hardened jihadists who like know what they're doing, clearly. No. If I read this the way we're supposed to see it correctly, they didn't even end up getting the gun. No, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah, okay. So after that, they run. And then we catch up with our friend Dunmeng, played by Jimmy O. Yang. The best character oh. in the movie. He's also been having a little romance with this girl who works yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, the, the girl from the pickup place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's nice. Yeah, I was happy for him. Then he gets carjacked by the brothers. I like when the movie slows down, even though I'm not really the biggest fan of horror movies, and this uh -huh. is very much like a horror movie. Actually, you know what it's like? It's like Zodiac. Have you seen Zodiac? I have not seen Zodiac. By Fincher. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's, like, things where, like, someone will be minding their own business and then someone just comes over and Oof. kills them. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so they carjack him, but they also keep him in the car as they drive him around. And mm -hmm. they threaten him and also tell him that 9-11 was an inside job. I did like the part where they're like, are you just saying that because you believe it or are you saying that so we won't kill you? I was like, mm -hmm. mm, what's the right answer to that question? Yeah. I don't even, Do you remember how he gets out of it? I think they just changed the subject or something. I think, yeah. He just yeah, says it again, just... like, "Oh man, you got a lot to learn here, bro." Uh -huh. really I, I think he's. He said. He says, "Like, I, I don't know, actually." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're at a gas station, and Emerlan is, ref you know, filling up the cat tank, and Jahar goes to get snacks. And as this ha mm -hmm. is going on, you know, Dunmeng is looking. All right, sees that the gun is in the door and does not easy to get to. He mm -hmm. can't immediately get shot. He takes a risk, opens the door, and runs. And runs like hell. It was hell. crazy. It was oh, crazy. And he, he also takes his seatbelt off. Like, I don't know about you, but whenever I need to remove my seatbelt in a hurry, it never goes. <laughs> I was sure that was what was going to happen. Oh, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, I did jam, yeah. Like jams or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he manages to get out. He runs. He gets to a different convenience store, has them call the police. Hmm. Now, Tommy happens to be in the area. This area is Watertown, which is the area where J.K. Simmons is a sergeant. Yeah, we were waiting to see how Watertown was going to come back into the story, because mm -hmm. I knew that it would. But yeah, so Tommy hears uh, the dispatch and goes over and talks to Dunmeng. And Dunmeng tells him, in, through his accent, that the brothers said that they were the marathon bombers. As yeah, soon as Tommy so hears that, he's like, what? It's, it's like, oh my god, it's all coming together. This is, like, wild. Dunmeng's the hero. He deserves yeah. the key to the city. <laughs> and he also has his GPS tracking unit memorized. What a Chad. <laughs> so he gives that to Tommy, who Tommy, you know, says, oh, you know, you're very brave for getting away from these guys, doing what you did, getting away from these guys. And Dunmeng says, get those fucking assholes. Mm -hmm. So the brothers now need a new plan since they obviously know that the car will be identified. So they need to go back to using their own car and to ditch the Mercedes. <laughs> this is, like, ridiculous. Yeah, totally yeah. ridiculous. Two Watertown squad cars pick up the Mercedes. And this scene is crazy. <laughs> Another crazy one, yeah. Like, it's, as soon as they drive up, they are shot at by uh, the brothers. And then they start throwing explosives at these cars. Mm -hmm. And it seemed 
real like this part seemed the explosion seemed more Hollywood here. I actually didn't research the details of this gunfight okay. for Spy Fact versus Fiction. I do think the huge explosions yeah. is Hollywood. But my understanding from reading uh-huh. is they threw an explosive device and it would like disable a cop car. Like mm-hmm. it didn't like blow up like throw into the air, but it did stop moving. I did and I didn't really I didn't read this for Spy Fact versus Fiction. I was just reading because I was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, accounts from some of the cops who were there. They were mm-hmm. smaller, like more firework style ex- um, explosives. And, mm-hmm. you know, those were just more distracting. But there was one that was as big as like a cooking pot. And that one, mm-hmm. like, caused basically just white flash that you couldn't see anything. Wow. So even yeah. more than in the movie. So yeah, this part is like a real life Grand Theft Auto game. Right. Yeah. So, like, as I was, I was saying, like, it seems very Hollywood, but, like, it kind of happened. So, I was like, how are they going to get out of this? Because you can't fight the cops. Like, you can yeah. get in the gun, but they'll just surround you. Which and is what happens. And then it's just over. Which is, yeah, but then carry on. Yeah. yeah. So, that's when you we get J.K. Simmons, who's hearing, who's, he like, done after his shift, but hears it over, over the radio. He comes and joins the fight. Managed to flank the brothers, and he mm. manages to shoot Tamerlan in the leg, like under the car. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go flank them by myself. Why by yourself? Just take a couple of guys with you. I mean, at that point, there's only the three of them still. Oh, okay. You know, but yeah. there's more people coming in. Which they is are coming nice in, today. but he, you know, at that point, it's just like three of them, or maybe four at that point. Not, not a lot. Yeah. So Tamerlan tells um, Jakar. Go to New York, take everything with you, or I'll cover you, basically. And so he goes on into the street guns blazing so that Jahar can get away. He gets tackled by J.K. Simmons and has a fight with him. Yeah. And then he gets run over by his brother, which <laughs> yeah. is brutal. He deserves that. And it was also crazy that the brother just keeps driving and they just keep shooting him. But he just yeah. keeps going and actually gets away. I was like, how does he get away? Yeah, I was shocked that he like i was sure that the bear one of the barricades at this point there's a lot of cops now that one mm. of the barricades of cops would stop it but no like apparently dunmang's mercedes real good car <laughs> speaking of product placement right. the I, I think like the shooting the tires thing that might be hollywood too i suspect i think so because you don't see them try to do it or at least none successfully not, yeah, exactly. Where are their, you know, their, their, uh, their tire strips? They're like spike strips. I suspect, this is my yeah. imagination, that not every cop car like comes with one. They probably right. have to be probably, like... This is probably true. Yeah, if we're doing an interception, go to the headquarters, sign yeah. out a form for the, yeah. for the strip, and then you get it. You are very much right, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But he drives right through the middle of the cops. I was afraid they were going to hit each other because they're both well. shooting at well, carry Speaking on. of that, so Tommy arrives and he sees everything is going on, and he jump jumps in a black truck with an, another officer to pursue yeah. Jahar, and he's caught by friendly fire because these are cops who just arrived, who only know that the description of the vehicle is a black truck, and so they see that speeding away. And thankfully, none of the cops in that car get shot, but still. Yeah, that also reminds me, I thought it was interesting that J.K. Simmons shot first and didn't say, like, you're under arrest or something mm. like that. I mean, at this point, the guy, the guys are throwing explosives. Yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe they couldn't even hear him because there's mm. so much noise, but yeah. But yeah, so through all of that, Jahar manages to get away. Mm. And Tom Roland is taken to the hospital. He's in real bad shape. He is mm. coding, and the doctors are trying to resuscitate him, but as they're trying... An FBI comes to fingerprint him and say, oh, yeah, okay, you need to stop anything for a second. I need to get this. And yeah, he throws finger- his weight around. <laughs> yeah. So back at the command center, the mayor makes the call to lock down Boston. So all businesses are closed. Everyone has to remain in their houses as the police search for Jahar. We do hear a little bit about the controversy. Mm-hmm. I remember this very much was part of the national conversation. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you just force a whole city to stay in their homes? So, mm-hmm. Someone says, like, what about civil rights? And the movie really does not go into it. No, and I guess don't. you decide whether or not you like that or not. It's almost funny how, like, quaint this is, because then only a few years later, the whole country was locked down. 
Right, and, right, yeah. Yeah. And they mm. also detect a signal from Jahar's phone in the dorm, and his dorm <laughs> mates get detained. I like the part where the two co-ads, like, face down on the SWAT team. That was funny. And, yeah, I, I didn't... That was the moment of levity, where they're just, like, shocked, like... And, <laughs> like, the one SWAT guy is, like, motioning, get out, move, move now. They're just, like, <laughs> stunned. <What>? And <laughs> they're like, we're not involved. They managed to pick up the rest of them, but they realize that Jahar is not there. And mm. then an interrogator from Washington arrives to talk to Catherine to try to get any information they can. Second best character in the movie. She's, like, amazing. They say from Washington. Jay? Huh? Or who do you think this person is? Oh, yeah, because they never say who they are. Yeah. Presumably CIA, then. I mean, if they were FBI, they would just be able to say that. They wouldn't that's, have to that's play. Not, yeah, like, they're very mysterious about it, so... I assume CIA, maybe enhanced interrogation unit, something like that. Yeah. Although they don't do any sort of waterboarding, anything like that. Well, U.S. Well, no. But yeah, like Veronica knows everything about Katie. She knows exactly what to do to make her mad. Mm -hmm. She's like, I was born in a tent, you privileged white girl. (laughs) (laughs) She's also wearing a head covering and greets Catherine in, you know, the Muslim greeting. Which turns out to be a bluff. She's not actually Muslim. Another reason why she's Or is great. she? I don't know, well, actually. I guess she might be Muslim, but she doesn't wear the headscarf normally because she immediately yeah. takes it off when the interrogation's yeah. over. But she doesn't actually get anything usable out of Catherine. I like the part where she, she showed the picture. Maybe this is a little sadistic, but the part where she showed the dead husband picture to yep. Katie. Yeah, that was that was brutal. But Katie's a true believer, yeah. so it doesn't work. But yeah, she doesn't reveal if there were more bombs or where Jahar might have gone. So as Austin is locked down, we see Tommy, you know, going door to door, talking to people or telling them to stay inside. And he hears from a couple who think that Jahar might be hiding in their boat. So this came back to me. I thought he yeah. was found in like a tub. I remember he was found in some kind of object kind of like oh, that. I did like not hiding. Uh-huh. Yeah, hiding in some kind of object that's like... I can't describe some it. Some sort of outdoor the container. Some, some kind of outdoor container. Right? Then, uh, yeah, then they're like, "Well, actually, getting someone out of a boat is not as straightforward as it would seem." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ami goes to check it out, and he's got you know another cop with him, and he is just able to see Jahar through the the covering in the boat. But you know they're not sure it's booby trapped, so they call it in. As he's looking in, more cops arrive, and like they run their sirens, and is it like spooking Tommy? This is like our last horror movie, like jump scare, where yeah, he, he's yeah. like, eh, 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 and then the siren scares him. <laughs> it's almost like you need a zombie to pop out of the boat. Yeah, yeah. More cops arrive, and uh, like as a bunch of them are there, movement is detected in the boat, and everyone shoots. That is, <laughs> it's not like full crazy. perforation, but it's yeah. Uh, yeah. They certainly know they're there now, and they're all on different frequencies, so no one can actually communicate with each other. Again, someone screwed up, which will happen. But they call a ceasefire. Local PD is told to stand down. At this point, FBI hostage rescue takes charge and, you know, shoots. I didn't actually know what they're shooting into there. So I didn't look this up for fact versus fiction, but I think they're called magnesium rounds. Ah, okay. Yep. Yeah. That sounds, that makes sense. And they make smoke. And I think that's it. So I guess the idea is I think smoke and light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but I did like the you know the thermal imaging of the, you could see you could see where he was and seeing, but yeah, mm-hmm. they get him to surrender peacefully. And he, peacefully, and this is where you get more intercut of like real world. Fo- I assume this is real world photos of yeah. when Jahar actually surrendered. You assume correctly, yes. And this is where we get the heartwarming scenes, Boston strong, all of the people mm-hmm. cheering for the police. We finally get Patrick and Jessica reunited. We also see Steve is reunited with his son, Leo. Mm-hmm. We get uh, David Ortiz, a.k.a. Big Poppy from the Red Sox. You know, And the mm-hmm. Boston PD is invited to a baseball game to honor them. Tommy gets to shake Big Poppy's hand. And I assume at this at cer- a certain point, it switches from Big Poppy like acting to his real-life big speech. Presumably, yeah. I don't think they would have refilmed it for the movie. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're correct. And then we end sort of with interviews with the real life Jessica's Pat and Patrick, as well as Steve, Commissioner Davies, FBI special agent. Uh, what was his name? 
Yeah. As well as a video from Dunmeng. That was wild that he like still lives in Boston. Yeah. yeah. That was wild. Yeah, and then we get the ending text where we find that uh, Jakar was or Jahar was sentenced to death by lethal injection and was awaiting his appeal in federal prison and that his three college friends were arrested for obstructing the bombing investigation and that the authorities are continuing to seek information regarding Catherine Russell's possible involvement with the bombing. I think she's going to get away with it, though, at this point. Yeah, yeah. But with that, our movie ends. Yeah, say hi to Guantanamo Bay for us, uh, Katie. Yeah, they also shout out the, they, they show the couple running the marathon. Oh, yeah, that's with right. Their, yeah. With, yeah. with their prosthetic legs. It was just uh, Patrick, not Jessica. She was waiting for him oh, at the finish line. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And then also the victims. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They honor oh, all okay. of, all three victims. Yeah. Three victims and also uh, the officer. Uh, oh, Sean Collier, yeah. So what do we have? Well, I have one th- brief thing for Spy Fact versus Fiction. Sure. And, Why don't you go first, then? And this is about open source intelligence, which you may go into more detail about. No? All right. So, the investigation is a good example of what's known as open source intelligence, or OSINT. Uh, now, this mm-hmm. comes from Wikipedia. It's the collection and analysis of data gathered from open sources to produce actionable intelligence. So, open sources include media such as print, newspaper, magazines, radio, and television, the internet, public government data, uh, professional and academic publications, and commercial data, such as commercial imagery uh, and databases. So when they're go- running through all the security cameras, as well as all the submitted stuff from people, probably Facebook posts, all that sort of stuff, that is OSINT, or open source intelligence. Yeah, none of it's secret. Any mm-hmm. person could find it, which we'll need to we'll talk about that more later. So that's what I've got for spy fact versus spy fiction. So do you remember in D-Day Girls, the D-Day Girls, Microdot, in World mm-hmm. War II, they asked British people to send in pictures of the French coastline yeah. from yeah. tourist photos. So. Or um, we talk about, uh, what was it? The, it was in Pearl Harbor briefly, wasn't it? There was the guy who was taking photos, or mm-hmm. the guy who was asking, the calling up the other Japanese, uh, Japanese was a dentist or something, asking yeah, about right. things yeah mm-hmm. yeah totally yeah. all right so i went to history versus hollywood.com all right patriots day article for such a mainstream movie like this i knew there would be people who were oh, sure. the yeah. and they did so is mark Wahlberg's character tommy sanders based on a real person no he no. is not no <laughs> he is like your danny and rafe from pearl harbor he's your mm. point of view character for this um, I know. I remember hearing that there were Bostonians who were upset about this, that they created this character, and when there were so many real-life people who were involved, although no, there was no single person who was involved with every aspect of the investigation like Tommy was. Yeah, exactly. They did this also with Chernobyl a lot. Like, the scientist oh, yeah. oh, in Chernobyl, okay. she's, a, like, 30 people put into one. Ah, okay, yeah. So what were the casualties for the Boston Marathon bombing? Three people were killed. 264 mm-hmm. were wounded. Oh. 17 underwent amputations. So did the movie get the details of the bombing of the Manhunt right? Yes, they did. Aside okay. from Tommy Saunders, of course. Right. So the shootout is correct. The older brother was shot eight times in the firefight and then was Oof. run over by his younger uh-huh. brother. Uh, he did die in the hospital. Transit police officer Richard Donahue was hit in the groin by a ricocheting bullet, suffered severe blood loss, but survived. Oh, wow. Yeah, 28-year-old Boston police officer Dennis D.J. Simmons, not shown in the movie, was wounded and passed Uh away from his injuries almost a year later. Uh, So if you go to the Boston Marathon bombing, he is listed as one of the victims. One of the spare, Was there really a debate over making the images of the suspects public? Yes, there was. Okay. Duval Patrick said there was a robust debate about making the images public. At that point, there had been at least one person misidentified by a newspaper. I was surprised they never went in, because I remember that. I didn't remember the details, but I remember there was a misidentified person. Or I guess, was that the Saudi national that they were? No, that was not related, or was it? I don't know. Tell me. I'm surprised the movie didn't talk about Reddit finding the Boston bombers. Right. That. Do you remember this? I do remember that. 
yeah, so Reddit, the social media site, got involved. As you're probably not surprised here, they made the situation worse. They identified someone named Sunil Tripathi. So he's uh-huh. Indian. He's a Brown University student. Uh-huh. I don't know whether he's American or Indian American or what, mm-hmm. but he had actually committed suicide before oh, the bombing even took place. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so they wow, fucked with his family. That was family. very wrong. Yeah, a very embarrassing moment for Reddit. Wow. And I can't really blame the movie for not, though it did contribute to the whole swirl of events. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a vague recollection of Reddit being involved and <laughs> I misidentified. I didn't re- realize they got it that wrong. Mm, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And they also certainly didn't help. So yeah. did Catherine Russell, the widow of Tamerlan, know about the attack beforehand? She says she doesn't. The Uh producer of the movie named Reichel Radutsky defended the movie's stance, saying that multiple sources shared with him information gathered through Russell's interrogation, even though the transcripts haven't been released. Mm. Uh, She's never been charged with a crime, but Mm -hmm. the director, Peter Berg, of the movie questioned how she could live with them and not realize what they were up to. Yeah, especially if the orders were as close as depicted in the film. There's no way she couldn't have known. Uh, in real life, computer expert Mark Spencer testified at his trial that her computer revealed she had done searches that included phrases like "rewards for the wife of a mujahideen." I did see that. Yeah. And if your husband becomes a shaheed, what are the rewards for you? These were done more than a year before the bombing. Oof. Something a little happier. Did slain police officer Sean Collier really have a budding romance with an MIT student? No. Oh. That's entirely made up. Okay. Did carjacking victim Don Meng really have the GPS number of his SUV memorized? Yeah. Yes, he wow. did. Did he have a romance? They don't mention that. <laughs> the, the article doesn't mention that. But if I recall, I've seen photos. Like I think I feel like one of the photos that was in like the montage with him has him with a girl. So hopefully, fingers crossed. He's happy guy. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. I remember that photo. That's true. So he did actually memorize the tracking number of the GPS. If he hadn't given the number to police, they may never have been able to track down the stolen SUV before the bombers reached Times Square. Good job, Dunming. Like in the movie, the reason why they got him was because he needed to send a text message and he pulled off the road in order to send it rather than send it while he was driving. Uh... What a guy. He said that his time with the bombers is accurately depicted in the film, right down to asking if there was a jack in the car that could be used to play an iPod. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, the real life Dunming is in the movie, if I recall. Yeah, they interview him. Oh, I mean, like as a, as a cameo. I didn't see that. He, he has a cameo appearance inside a pizza restaurant. And then Mm. the real life David Henneberry, who I don't actually remember that character was outside for a short time in the porch, house porch during the search for the bomber. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So then finally, did J.K. Simmons' character really tackle Tamerlan? Yes, he did. And huh. did officers really fire at a police vehicle as it left the scene? Yes, they did. Oh, wow. So the movie is, like, pretty accurate. Minus Mark say. Wahlberg, yeah. Sure, but that's that. Hey, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, next we have our favorite quotes. Yes, I can go first. Sure, what do you got? Jessica says, let's get drunch, which was funny. I've never heard that before. I guess this would be like <laughs> yeah. drunk lunch. Yeah, uh, or drunk brunch. Drunk brunch, yeah. Like, you know, the scene where he comes home, it's all emotional. He says, are you fucking eating Cheerios on my couch? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg gets all the, the funny lines. Uh, he meets uh, Kevin Bacon. He says, whatever it is, I didn't do anything. Seems like not something you wanted to say to law enforcement. I did like Den saying, go catch those motherfuckers. I'm not going to try to Uh say it in his accent. It was amazing. Um, Finally, Veronica saying, you ain't got shit, sweetheart. Presently, I think we both only have, each only have one quote with an F word in it. Mm, Yeah, because they're against Boston. (laughs) Yeah. I've got, uh, when looking through Tamerlan's computer, he's got more porn than Osama bin Laden. Didn't realize Osama bin Laden had that much porn. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. I'm surprised. Oh, they didn't talk about it in Zero Dark Thirty. They did not. He infamously did, yes. FBI hostage uh, hostage rescue, rescue team takes over. There's the officer on the roof who, who snipers tell her, you know, we're with the FBI. You can stand down now. And she's like, FBI? Boston FBI? No, man, we're from Quantico. Well, I'm from Birmingham, Massachusetts, and this is my spot. I ain't fucking leaving. 
Yeah, and they just, they're just like, okay. <laughs> Glad to have you with us, ma'am. Yeah, they can't do anything. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that one more at the end. I don't. I hope I don't steal it. When one of the cops says, that boat ain't gonna float. No, that's mine. He oh, says, I'll said. tell you, that boat ain't gonna float. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Clever. <laughs> but lastly, I've got from uh, Commissioner Davies talking to Tommy. There he is, General Patton in a neon vest. Hmm. Always nice to see someone making fun of Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> All right, that's what I've got. All right, so now it is time for our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being Avengers 1998 and 10 being even better than No Time to Die or Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I should probably just pick one. Let's How would we rate Patriot's Protocol. Day? Let's go with the Ghost <laughs> Protocol, of course. Yeah, that one's less controversial. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to have a lot to say about this. Okay. Let me hear it. I'm curious. I have a lot of thoughts. This movie made me think a lot. It made me feel a lot. I don't really like that. So yeah. it was very real. Mm -hmm. The bombing was very scary. The gunfights were very good. The search was very good. It was like scary and upsetting and very effective, like you said. So that's the good stuff. Bad stuff is they laid the conservative messaging on pretty thick. Like we didn't talk mm. about this, yeah, but there's okay. a whole speech. Someone makes a speech where it's like, we're the forces of light and they're the forces of darkness. Right. So nobody dislikes jihadist terrorists more than me, but they lay it on so thick. It's like, yeah. we get it. You don't need to like tell us the message of the movie. Okay. These guys' actions speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit much. Also, while we're getting political here, the All movie right. is very pro makes the cops look amazing. Yeah. And at least in the circles we run in, being pro-cop isn't super popular right now. Now, mm -hmm. I don't really subscribe to that much as most people, but I'm not going to pretend like the criticisms of our city's police forces are totally wrong either. True. So True. again, the movie being like, they're heroes, they're amazing. Yeah, the ones who gave their lives, and most of them I'm sure are fine. But again, it was just like, like I said, laying it on thick. Counterpoint to that, and not, not that I believe either wrongly, but... They do make that point that, and I think it's in the interviews afterwards, where they say how remarkable it was for people to be cheering for the cops. And then they say, like, when's the last time you saw everyone applauding for cops in Boston? Yeah, I know, right? I mean, so I agree with all the criticisms. I agree with all the studies. They're all true. But these guys do put their lives on the line for us every day. That's just the reality. So getting back to the movie, mm -hmm. I thought it was very effective. And I never want to watch it again. Don't watch it. It was amazing. <laughs> I also will give it an extra point for being very accurate. Mm -hmm. As you know, that's that's something that's important to me. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. All again, right. don't watch it. <laughs> but it is good. Interesting. Interesting that you give it an 8 and say don't watch it. I don't like movies that are so dark. I mean, obviously, I found it very, like I said, I found it very effective, especially that just the, that bombing scene. Mm. And I I thought that they did a really good job with investigation. And like people ask, might ask, well, how is this a spy movie? It is that open source intelligence. It is that investigation. That's mm. where the intelligence part comes in. Yes. Thank you for reiterating that. Yes. Yes. Um, it's yeah, sh showing that investigation and how they do it, especially obviously interrogation as well as a part of espionage. So we have that in there as well. I thought this movie is well done. Like, I was skeptical going in because it's Mark Wahlberg. It is Peter Berg. You know what other movie that had Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg that we've both seen and we've probably forgotten? Uh, Mile 22. What's that? I haven't, I haven't seen that. What is that? You oh, have. wait, yes, we have. That, that was that, like, kind of shitty action movie. Exactly. <laughs> you know what else that Peter Berg has directed? Battleship. The Ooh. only second movie in the last 15 years that I've actually fallen asleep in the theaters. Well, I'm glad it didn't sink his career, no pun intended. Uh, like, I was very skeptical going in. and I was it's, I, Like, I had no idea what the tone would be. I know uh, the quality would be. Somehow, they made a really good movie in terms of, like, accuracy, in terms of the emotion, the feeling. They may have laid it on a little thick at the end when you got the actual interviews from people that's when it started becoming feeling like a documentary now mm. i mean i appreciated it but it was a tonal shift at that point with that moment I, i'm sure actually the moment is probably 
right when Big Poppy walks onto the, to that field, that's mm-hmm. when everything from that point forward is real footage. Right. And, and they have the interviews with all of the, you know, with all the real life survivors and people who are involved with it. But even giving that, it was very effective. I would say if you are interested in the bombings mm-hmm. and, or maybe either if you have a connection with Boston or something, some reason that you would want to want to find out more about this, I would say watch this. And mm. I would say, yeah, it, it just surprisingly good film for me. Yeah, I'm gonna give it. I'm wavering between the eight and the eight point five. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the eight point five. I, I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I agree. That's very consistent with us. <laughs> you said, and I said, you know, the Mark Wahlberg, Tommy Saunders character is completely made up. It is not as distracting as the Rafe, you know, Rafe and Danny. And Evelyn from Pearl Harbor being the central characters in a movie about Pearl Harbor. He does happen to be at every single event that happens, but it's not as distracting as that. You, you, you His Oscar speech with the wife, um, right. and then his other speech with his co-worker that we didn't really actually even go over. Yeah, exactly. It's also not as confusing yeah. as Kenny being in every major event during the Cuban <laughs> Missile Crisis. In a movie yeah. that's supposed to be about JFK and RFK. Aside from that, shockingly accurate and well done. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks just for picking it. It was uh, different and good. Yeah. And uh, very much up my alley, even if it was hard to watch. Well, thank you all for listening. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, that's right. Twitter, not X. And you can mm-hmm. find our merch store on redbubble.com. Until next time, I've been Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Spy Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.